This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Maria Elmvang, Copenhagen, Denmark, in October 2006. The Rosary by Florence Barclay. Chapter 28. In the Studio. Jane mounted to the studio, unlocked the door, and, entering, closed it after her. The evening sun shone through a western window, imparting an added richness to the silk screens and hangings, the mauve wisteria of a Japanese embroidery, or the golden dragon of China on a deep purple ground, wound up in its own indeterminable tail, and showing rampant claws in unexpected places. Several times already Jane had been into Garth's studio, but always to fetch something for which she waited eagerly below, and she had never felt free to linger. Marjorie had a duplicate key, for she herself went up every day to open the windows, dust tenderly all special treasures, and keep it exactly as its owner had liked it kept, when his quick eyes could look around it. But this key was always on Marjorie's bunch, and Jane did not like to ask admission and risk a possible refusal. Now, however, she would take her own time, and she seated herself in one of the low and very deep wicker lounge chairs, comfortably upholstered, so exactly fitting her proportions and supporting arms, knees and head just rightly, that it seemed as if all other chairs would in future appear inadequate, owing to the absolute perfection of this one. Ah, to be just that to her beloved! To so fully meet his need, at every point, that her presence should be to him always a source of strength and rest and consolation. She looked around the room. It was so like Goth, every detail perfect, every shade of colour enhancing another and being enhanced by it. The arrangements for regulating the light, both from roof and windows, the easels of all kinds and sizes, clean bareness, where space and freedom from dust were required, the luxurious comfort around the fireplace and in nooks and corners, all was so perfect, and the plain brown wallpaper of that beautiful quiet shade, which has in it no red and no yellow, a clear nut-brown. On an easel near the further window stood an unfinished painting, palette and brushes beside it, just as Garth had left them when he went out on that morning nearly three months ago, and, vaulting over a gate to protect a little animal from unnecessary pain, was plunged himself into such utter loss and anguish. Jane rose and took stock of all his quaint treasures on the mantelpiece. Especially her mind was held and fascinated by a stout little bear in brass, sitting solidly yet jauntily on its haunches, its front paws clasping a brazen pole, its head turned sideways, its small beady eyes looking straight before it. The chain from its neck to the pole denoted captivity and possible fierceness. Jane had no doubt its head would lift, and its body prove irreceptible for matches, but she felt equally certain that, should she lift its head and look, no matches would be within it. This little bear was unmistakably early Victorian, a friend of childhood days, and would not be put to common uses. She lifted the head. The body was empty. She replaced it gently on the mantelpiece, and realized that she was deliberately postponing an ordeal which must be faced. Derek had told her of Garth's pictures of the one woman. Garth himself had now told her even more. But the time had come when she must see them for herself. It was useless to postpone the moment. 
she looked towards the yellow screen. Then she walked over to the western window and threw it wide open. The sun was dipping gently towards the purple hills. The deep blue of the sky began to pale, as a hint of lovely rose crept into it. Jane looked heavenward, and, thrusting her hands deeply into her pockets, spoke aloud. "'Before God,' she said, "'in case I am never able to say or think it again, I will say it now. I believe I was right. I considered Garth's future happiness, and I considered my own. I decided, as I did for both our sakes, at a terrible cost to present joy. But, before God, I believed I was right, and I believe it still.' Jane never said it again. End of chapter 28